while traditional venture funds rely on very small group of people to perform exceptionally well, whereas investment DAOs, where you're coordinating 80, 90 people to work together, you have this massive coordination challenge. However, in a way, you can predict a certain level of deal flow, due diligence, certain level of access that will be always consistently present. It's like pulling together the most connected people, making them more GPs to build a whole portfolio. And that was really the inception of Hydra's. Welcome to Sipsy Spotlight. In this series, we'll be exploring new form of venture capital, interviewing four leading founders and capital allocators in the venture ecosystem, sharing their insights on what the future of venture capital look like. And today, we're excited to have Peter, co-summoner of Hydra Ventures, the first funds of funds DAO that focused on incubating investment DAOs. Traditional investment funds have been centrally owned and managed by select few partners. But instead, what if an entire community of builders became GPs, aggregate deal flow, assess investments, and share the returns through ownership? In this episode, we'll be discussing the inception of community-first investing. We're co-host, I'm Kaz. I'm Kevin. We begin by having Peter explain what an investment DAO is and how it works in comparison to a traditional venture capital firm. Traditional venture funds are run by a couple of GPs and run the whole process of running the fund from scouting, driving deal flow, to due diligence, to closing the deal, to supporting the purpose. The variance of performance in venture funds is extremely high because you're really relying on the human judgment and the margins of error on a very small group of people. There's pros and cons to this, as in you can get really high contrarian thesis-driven investing. You can also just get people that run it into the ground. I've seen cases of both of this. There's nothing negative about it. It's just really the pros and cons of relying on a few, a select set of people to run something like any business. You're really relying on the expertise and reputation of a very small group of people as well. The idea about investment DAOs is that instead of relying on this very small group of people to drive the entire investment process to run a fund, to invest, you're relying on a community or a larger group of people instead to drive deal flow, to due diligence opportunities, to close deals and support teams. When you rely on groups of people, there's a coordination challenge inherently present. But groups of people at large, especially when you head into 50, 60, 70, 80 groups of people, they behave fairly deterministic. Larger groups of people generally have better deal flow network. And as a collective unit, arguably have a wider variety and breadth of insight and expertise than a small group of people in a venture fund. I'm not saying that investment DAOs or collective investment organization structures are better than traditionally venture funds. I'm really saying it's like a different vehicle and a different way to organize and deploy capital. With, and they come off with different trade-offs. While traditional venture funds rely on very small group of people to perform exceptionally well, yes, you don't have the coordination cost of coordinating 80, 70 90 people to work together, but you're relying on a high level of variance on the performance and judgment. Whereas on the side of investment DAOs, where you're coordinating 80, 90 people to work together, you have this massive coordination challenge. However, in a way, at scale, you can deterministically predict a certain level of deal flow, certain level of due diligence, certain level of access that will be always consistently present. When you have 90 GPs in a Discord, Portfolio construction is not going to always be the cleanest or the amount of contrarian bets that you can do and around passes or even investments can be limited, but you're going to represent a large network 
of people that founders typically want to work with. At least the learning for me is that investment DAOs behave fairly deterministically. If you can at scale and if you can get the curation of people right, you can generate a stream of really great deal flow, you can build really great access, you can build really great due diligence, and not everything will be as perfect as you'd want it, but it's a really interesting sort of new rabbit hole for coordinating the deployment of capital. There's like unique benefits that investment DAOs in which investment DAOs can operate in and which traditional venture funds can't and vice versa as well. And that was really the inception of Hydra just the observation that large groups of people operate pretty deterministically and that this is a really interesting and also high, like low lift way to effectively create an index basket of the best deals in a market. It's like pulling together the smartest people, the most connected people, and giving them, making them more GPs to build a whole portfolio of exposure. You're not going to find people who are like investors who are in these investment DAOs. It's not going to be like professional GPs, but in a way, they're going to be builders or angels or funds or all the small funds looking into a certain market investing together. There's this terrain advantage to investment DAOs in the sense that these investment DAOs can operate and are typically formed in markets that are far too small and far too early for a dedicated venture fund to be launched to focus in that area alone. And you really become, there's a really great easy path to becoming the best source of deal flow, the go-to place for capital for founders in that market. I think it's not just the coordination advantage or the coordination properties of investment deals, but the terrain advantage that investment deals can be, you can build an investment organization off part-time and enthusiast and casual participation and interest as opposed to needing needing to convince several very, very smart people to bet the entire career off one market. That's both a feature and a bug too. Like in the, they can be a bug in the sense that you don't have enough dedicated members, but it's a feature in the sense that you can go where traditional like capital allocators are typically not invested. Coming up, Peter explains the origin and inception of community-driven investment, aka investment DAO, starting with his work in Grant's DAO in the Ethereum ecosystem. I look at my own journey in a way. I never really set out to be an investor. I just happened to stumble into it. And it started with building, and at least for me, I kind of see myself as a community builder as my first primary skill set, more than anything. And I just happened to build a Grant's DAO and bootstrap a community with others around application development within Ethereum. And that was really just a project. We gave out small grants. We built a community. And we were able to build like a bit of an epicenter and center of gravity for developers and founders back then. And by sheer nature, we just had this great access and really great discovery for new founders and exciting teams. And naturally, I realized that, hey, we're giving out grants, or why not deploy capital, but for investments where we can build a business and build a fund and do this a bit more long-term sustainably. Based off the grant style, pull capital, which just gave out two to five thousand dollar grants, we proved to have a track record, and then we raised like a smaller three hundred fifty k investment down for Metacultural Ventures, and then you build a track record and raise more money, and so on and so on. If you look at this trajectory, it's, it's a really interesting one. At least I feel it in the sense that I didn't have investment background. The main primary focus was really just community building, and by that you build access, deal flow, and if you're then able to structure something to capture the momentum of that, you can start to really invest. This is almost a new route in which individuals can become an investor. Build a community first, turn the community into a community investment DAO, and then deploy and invest and learn and begin your journey that way. As opposed to, I think, like a lot of investors, you work at 
Fang or a larger company, or you work in investment banking, or you do PE, or you do some existing industry for a couple of years, and then you go into venture, or you do venture and then go into operational roles, and vice versa. But typically, it's the part of venture today is like extremely white collar. It's been glamorized. It's mostly finance people then trying to understand how to be an investor and understand intricacies of building product and all this. That's okay, and that's been the sandhill road path, right? It's like you go work at Facebook do growth or do product and then as a PM and then four or five years later you build up some credentials you jump into a fund that's in the whole game what I wanted to do at least with medical ventures is just prove that any community on the internet with exciting and talented builders can somehow grind their way and prove themselves and coordinate their way into a position in which they can invest into the best of themselves and in a way that didn't need to rely on capital gatekeepers and traditional capital allocators so in a way, it adds diversification to early stage sources of funding. If you have just the same people or same archetypical group of people investing and then gatekeeping what gets to live on in early stage, you just get a very small petri dish of what could actually get to the next stage. What's exciting about investment deals is it gives a platform for people who don't archetypically see themselves as investors to become one and to learn how to become one. I think that's really interesting from that perspective. Metacultural Ventures, to me, was always about not making it the biggest investment deal, the most impressive one, it was all about, can we just create an example out of ourselves to say that, hey, if you want to build a community and you want to invest in the best of yourselves, invest into each other and be an investor and grow into something like this, you can do so too. And we did so with very, very little resources. And that's been the thing I've been proud of. We didn't have anyone to back us, really. We had a lot of supporters, a lot of founders and some funds, but it wasn't a home game advantage, let's say. A bit of a labor of love, if you will. Brute force got us to that point, just to prove a point. Next up, we'll hear from Peter about the journey of MetaCartel Ventures. As a pioneering example of community-driven investment, he'll share insights on how they refine their approach to sourcing deals, conducting due diligence, and making investments. We just started mostly early on invested into the members' projects. So we just invested into each other, you know, because like it was mostly 35, 40 people and there was maybe a couple funds. It was like 1KX, KL1, and maybe a few others. It was like everyone else was just like founders and angels, but mostly founders around the space. Throwing in from like $5,000 to $10,000 on average. It was a bit of a pity project. Not gonna lie, Medicals and Ventures, it started at 350K, maybe even slightly less. It wasn't super glamorous and we invested into each other at the start. We invest into the grantees. And when I say that we wanted to become an example where we wanted to invest into like our own community members, it wasn't like we raised the money and we started chasing hottest deals in town. No, it was like being the first, an early first check into Zappa or Rai or each other's projects. It was a fairly organic thing and we just tried our best. Even when we were up and running, we were much more of a community than we were trying to be like a fun. In our following segment, Peter will share the inspiration behind Hydra Ventures. We're curious to know if it's a concept he'd been contemplating for a while. Early last year was coming up to three years of operating Medicarts or Ventures. And there've been many other investment deals launched. And I think the observation was, look, there's quite a lot of investment deals right now. Not pre-figured, like 100 plus, but 20, 30, 40, right? Around that range. Some have been pretty successful. And the key thing was that they all have shared very similar strengths. And the differentiating factor was really two things, or a couple things actually. The market they were focused on, the member curation, how well they were coordinated. Teams that just did better with like curating members and coordinating, these teams did far better in general, in addition to the market. Once you realize it's like kind of a question, there's still no professional organization that's focused on investing into these investment DAOs, participating in these investment DAOs, and maybe redesigning these structures, iterating on these. And it was just, it was a kind of a, 
why not question? We have a lot to learn. Investment DAOs have a long way to go. And the more we thought about it internally at MCB, it just became more of a itch. We got together, designed how we would launch DAO funder funds first. We just a pure brainstorm and experimentation. I think that's the first thing. You design it and then non-committally see if people like it. And then once we designed it, we have to launch. It, it seemed to be a shame if we didn't launch it, given everything we learned and how much further, more potential we see. We, we got everyone together went to the most active investment DAO participants across Web3 and built in a little membership and launched earlier this year. In the next section, Peter will discuss the significance of collaboration and curation. If these factors continue to grow and change over the next two years, how does he imagine the ideal form of investment DAOs? I'm not super sure what the ideal form is, but I do know that a key focus for evolving, so improving the coordination of investment DAOs is going to be accountability, responsibilities, and incentivization of that work. Investment DAOs are not just investing. That's the easy part. Putting checks and stuff is easy. Running the operations is difficult. Running portfolio support and portfolio liaisoning is difficult and takes a lot of effort and time. You have all this, you, know, you have marketing and brand and content. All these things are actually the really difficult things. And these are responsibilities. The next step is designing a system in which you can assign responsibilities, create accountability, and also reward people for that accountability and follow through. We have something that looks a bit more like feature parity to traditional venture funds in terms of capabilities. Isn't that crazy? Most of these investment DAOs, it's just like fruit checks and everything. And like portfolio support? Yeah, so like marketing, like operations, I think it was a kind of an open question left open. For medical ventures, this was definitely a case. But I think being the first ones through the door and through the wall, we can kind of be like, all right, we didn't foresee these problems. We're just trying to do the thing. But then all these other investment DAOs just ran, like had been operating the same way. And I'm like, this is not okay. We have to change, kind of have to evolve this. In this final segment, let's go back to the topic of Hydra Ventures. Peter takes us through Hydra's collaborative efforts in establishing a clear mission and vision. How did they go about it? What Hydra wants to be is a bit of an institution to say that we were here for investment DAOs at day one. We want to build a dedicated entity for it to support and to be a bit of an anchor for the whole investment DAO ecosystem, one that pushes progress and behaves and operates intellectually, honestly. I think that's a bit of core cool, key value of Hydra. So it's a simple goal. If you like this Spotlight episode, please leave us a review. We're just starting out, so every review really helps. Follow us on Twitter at Zipsy.com if you don't want to miss an episode. That way, you'll be able to see every time a new show goes live. That's all from us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Zipsy Spotlight.